You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, time for another week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Happy Labor Day to everyone out there. Hope you had a good weekend. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky here with you. Getting you ready for game, game week. week. Yeah, holy cow, man. It's finally here. UNC on Saturday at noon, ACC Network, and it's all football this week. I've never been so excited for a football game. I mean, it feels like this is just a long time coming at this point, and I don't care that Syracuse is heavy underdogs. I think we can prove some people wrong maybe on Saturday. So we'll be getting you ready all throughout the week for really the entire football season. And then Thursday and Friday, I'm sure we'll dive more into UNC specifics and also just give our full predictions for this year, go on record this year. But we're going to continue our positional previews. Before we get to that, Ty, did get some big recruiting news over the weekend. Umari Hatcher, a wide receiver that's a very talented wide receiver, 6'3", height-wise, and a solid three-star that had, honestly, one of the better offer sheets that Syracuse has landed a player from in a, in a long time. He had Penn State, Virginia Tech, Michigan State, Virginia, which is his home state. UNC was involved, who they're playing Saturday, Cuse, Maryland, Indiana. There was some West Virginia interest, and Syracuse got him at the wide receiver position, which is a position that I feel like they've always been close to getting some borderline four stars and some better talent, maybe. And I've been kind of waiting for them to nab someone like this. But this is a guy that was high on their board at wide receiver for a while, and that offer sheet is very, very good. And chalk it up to another big win for Chip West on the recruiting trail because he goes in, and you mentioned, he goes up against a lot of Virginia schools. And where did Chip West used to recruit in? State of Virginia. That's where he won ACC Recruiter of the Year. And he goes in and picks up a big receiving victory. Now Syracuse... They've picked up their quarterback of the future in this class, and now you're getting one of those big-bodied receivers on the outside that can complement him really well, that being Justin Lampson. And I know Justin Lampson's very excited to have a guy like Hatcher playing with him along the outside. And we know, sure, he may be a three-star right now, but don't let the stars be indicative of the type of success that you can have in this Dino Bayer system. Yeah, we're usually the type of people that look at offer sheet more than stars anyway, I think, and... This is a very, very good offer sheet. So very excited about Hatcher. That came out on Friday. And another example of Dino nabbing some really good players at kind of the tail end of the cycle. And I guess I should credit the entire staff, but it seems like in the Dino era, they've done a good job of grabbing the players that are the high quality three stars and low end four stars towards the end of the cycle. And I'm really, really happy with the way this class has kind of shaped up to be 2021-wise, because you got Deuce Chestnut, who's one of your best recruits really in a decade or so. I mean, he's basically the best numbers-wise in the Dino era, and you got him coming in at defensive backs, which we're going to talk about defensive backs in just a second, but that's trending very, very promisingly for Syracuse. And really, given the context of what this recruiting cycle entailed and how much they had to change things and these virtual Zoom presentations and everything that went into it, I feel like they exceeded expectations in this cycle. Right, and I'm just excited because there's a lot of hope in this cycle. And again, we don't exactly know 
who's the best in this cycle because some of these guys might not even have a high school season. So we're looking at a lot of a lot of gambles here. Again, I mean, just take a look at, at some of the places Syracuse has gone out and recruited from. I mean, just look at it. Hawaii was a big mm-hmm. go out and get some guys from Hawaii. You get a quarterback from the West Coast who really didn't visit visit the school. You've got uh, a lot of guys from the Midwest, a number of guys who, who just have not flat out visited the school either. So it's going to be an interesting class. We're going to probably look back on this class and it's either going to way exceed expectations or way underperform expectations. I don't think there's very much of a middle there because you're going to either see guys who were at a disadvantage because of the lost camps over the summer and or we're going to see guys who also maybe could have used some of those camps to get a four-star rating or to get a bigger offer from from a, a better school or something of that nature. So I think we're going to – I'm not ready to, to give a full prediction yet, and, I, and I'm not really going to give a prediction of what I think this is going to be, what it's en- going to end up being, but it's either going to way out, outperform or way underperform. That's what yeah. I'm going to stick with. Yeah, I think that's a good point there. So getting into the defensive backs now as we continue our positional previews, and obviously, very, very excited to talk about defensive backs because there's just nothing but optimism, I think, around this group going into this season. It's kind of similar to the defensive line talk heading into last year, but it may even be better. I mean, this is as good as I felt about a single position group, Syracuse football-related. And honestly, I mean, you'd have to go way back to maybe Doug Marone days or something like that. I feel very, very confident and what Syracuse is putting out secondary-wise. And the good news is, this year in the 3-3-5 defense, the secondary is going to be very prevalent. It's going to be very important back there. Obviously, we all know who kind of the four mainstays are, I'd say. I'd say there's three guys that are clear-cut, very, very exciting prospects, but I'd almost group Eric Coley into that bunch. These are all now guys that have come out of the class of 2018 when you're talking about Iffy, Eric Coley, Cisco, of course, and Trill Williams. And man, talk about looking back at recruiting cycles and exceeding expectations or whatever you want to call it. That 2018 class to pull in those four dudes from your defensive back group. And obviously Cisco has been kind of the prized one so far, given the accolades that he's been picking up. Although I guess he's he's not good enough to make preseason all ACC oh, yeah. which we'll, we'll talk about we'll, that later we'll talk because... about that later on because uh somehow you can be a first team AP all-american preseason but you can't make your conference all ACC team but anyway this defensive back group is that fair to say you think that you like for me I've been this is as excited as I've been about a position group really in the last five years I'll say Syracuse football wise you think that's fair this is the best group on the team, and this is the most talented group on the team. And it goes hand in hand because I feel like they all kind of lift each other up too. Like Trill Williams, I feel like he has raised his level of game because he sees, all right, that's what Cisco's doing. I got to go out and match that. And I feel like that's an infectious feeling that's spread throughout the entire secondary. I feel good about a number of these guys. Fatu Malfanu is my favorite player to watch on this defense because yeah. of the way that he can break up passes and just disrupt the passing game in general. And, I mean, you look at this team, sure, the interception numbers were down last year, but they didn't take as big of a dip as most teams that experience turnover regression see. 
because, I mean, you still had Andre Sisco going out there and intercepting five passes in just nine games. Yeah. Five passes Seventh in nine in games. Seventh in the nation. That's, and he right. didn't even play three games. That's nuts. Right. So you know that he's a game breaker for you. And then you've just got strong, solid dudes that can make plays for you at either cornerback position. Whether it's Trill Williams, whether it's a Fatu Melifanwu, you just got guys that can go out and make a big play for you. I feel confident lining those guys up against anyone in the ACC. I just do because of the fact that I know and I have seen them perennially uh, go out there and just make big plays when the moment is at its biggest. And, And this team lost Christopher Frederick on the outside, and I loved watching for his play, but... Bring in Mel Fonwu, I think, he, well, not bringing in, but giving him that lead cornerback role alongside Trill Williams, those two guys, are, especially Mel Fonwu, are guys who can break up a lot of passes. I mean, you look at Mel Fonwu, he had eight last year. And, I mean, he had, what, three or four in that single game against UNC two years ago? The length that he possesses on the outside is freakish stuff. And that, that 50 freaks list... Don't be surprised if that has a Fatu Melifanwu in a year or two, because that's the type of player that he is with that length. And again, he had those eight pass breakups, but just like Andre Sisco, he only played nine games. So there's a lot of room for growth for him, and he's already at a very, very high level in the conference. He was third in passes defended per game last year, just over one a game in the games he played. He was actually tied for third in that in the ACC, I'm saying, and he was tied for third with Andre Sisco, who also only played nine games, like you said. But it's a great blend to have Iffy as just a great lockdown coverage guy, someone who I think I saw the other day David Hale tweeted out he was fourth in completion rate percentage in the ACC last year with a minimum of 20 targets. 37% of the time he was thrown at was a completion, which is fourth best mark returning in the ACC from last year. We got to take a quick break because we got to give the listeners out there a quick update on our favorite protein bar on the market. They are back, Built Bar. Six new amazing flavors to add to the repertoire here, including cookies and cream, which I cannot wait to try. Desperately hoping that comes in my next box, which is on the way. You can order your next box today of these delicious protein bars that are somehow healthy for you. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. And if you order now, while supplies last, you might even get a free cooler with that purchase, which is huge right now. For the summertime so go to builtbar.com cannot say enough good things about these protein bars we don't just rave about them for nothing they seriously are the best protein bars i have ever tasted in my life and they are great for you too low calories low sugar but somehow high protein and high fiber and they taste like a candy bar so stop everything you're doing i promise you will not regret going to builtbar.com use our promo code locked on they'll get you ten dollars off your next order at builtbar.com Obviously, yes, that you really want these guys to stay healthy this year. The depth is probably maybe a little bit down compared to last year. I mean, you do lose a lot. You lose lose Cordy, Evan Foster, Frederick, like you mentioned, Scoop Bradshaw, who I would say had a controversial career at Syracuse, but another veteran guy that's gone. Alan Stritzinger transfers out of the program. Carl Jones is also gone. You really, you only, the only big senior that I think might see the field some is Devon Clark, and even he did not slide into the March spring depth chart at all. 
Now, we should say the depth chart might be out by the time you're listening to this. We don't know the depth chart yet, but I'm sure we will react to it on the Tuesday episode here. The big question mark really will be who's at the rover position because originally I was thinking Eric Coley will be there, and I feel like he's a good fit for that position. But then we do know that Andre Sisko said he had been practicing some at the rover position during some of the Zoom calls. And Dino's also mentioned, like we talked about in the last podcast, that he feels very, very good about the rover position and who they have there. So maybe it is Cisco. To me, this rover position is going to be asked to rush the quarterback a little bit. So I kind of like the idea of Coley initially because he's such a hard hitter and we've seen him do a little bit of that. But Cisco definitely gained a ton of weight from his freshman to sophomore year. And he probably put on some more going into this year as well. But he really did transform his body. I know Dino was joking a lot going into last year about he had that quote how he went to Walmart and bought some tries and buys and pecs and <laughs> put in his Dino lingo. But I, what do you think about the rover position? I mean, I guess I'm expecting Cisco. Regardless, I think that's obviously going to be an important position this year. My thing about the rover, too, is just the fact that you want Cisco back in coverage as much as possible, right? Yeah. So he's not going to—I don't think Andre Cisco is at his best when you're asking him to break plays and, and be a game-breaker at the line of scrimmage. He's at his best when he's in coverage and trying to, to make plays in the secondary. That's why I think Coley might be a bit of a better fit. And, and again, it's not like Coley has been some all-world guy at the line of scrimmage when he's been asked to to get into the trenches a little bit. But he, I, I'd rather lose what Coley might bring in the, the secondary part of things than what Cisco might bring in terms of coverage stuff. So that's why I lean with I'd rather have Cisco maybe not at that rover spot. But... Again, you're asking these guys to do a lot of things. Who knows? Maybe you feel really good about one of your your cornerbacks as well that's alongside a Fatu Melifonwu, maybe a guy like, I don't know, Garrett Williams. Maybe yeah. you feel really good about him and, and you're okay with moving Trill to the secondary or to the to the safe one of the safety positions out there because Trill's an extremely versatile guy. I, I'd feel confident playing him at almost any position on the defensive side of the ball, to be honest. Because yeah. he's just a fearless guy. He's going to go out there and he's going to compete with every single guy on the football field. So that's why that would give you a ton of flexibility if Garrett Williams can step up and be the real deal. And there's some other really talented guys that I like on this uh, defensive back uh, backfield. When you look at Cam Jonas, I mean, yeah. he's a guy who hasn't played a lot yet. Neil Nunn, he hasn't played a lot yet. But those are guys who have the potential to see significant snaps this year. Smurf Greenwood, another guy who could see a lot of snaps this year too. So there's some guys that we haven't really seen much of that can make an impact on this roster this season. It's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent here. And hopefully this is an iron sharpens iron type of deal. And you'll see this defensive backfield continue to get better and better and better every year. And maybe this is a position that Syracuse can perennially put into the NFL. But... For right now, you're going to have to see Cisco. He's going to have to maybe play a little bit with a chip on his shoulder because of the fact that he was not named this uh, an all-conference first-team guy. I mean, (laughs) he was a second-team last year as a sophomore, and he missed three games. Just let that settle in for a little bit. Yeah. Because, and we're going to talk about this more, but it makes no sense to me. Um, But Mel Mel Fon was another guy who I think has all-ACC potential, as does Trill Williams. 
Yeah, and they all have NFL potential for sure. Obviously, Cisco. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot. And that is the thing. I feel so good about the direction of this because you do have Deuce Chestnut coming. Another name that you didn't mention there, but I think would qualify is another very talented youngster, Ben Labrosi out of Canada, who's going to be in his first year with Syracuse this year. Honestly, I could see him finding his way onto the field for significant minutes based on what we're kind of hearing out of camp. It seems like he's done a good job. And some people be, think he could start. Yeah, some people have he might put be him out there that, as that a free starting uh, field safety guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think the depth chart's going to be interesting how they split it up. I'd say Adrian Cole will also be in the mix, a three-star from Florida, kind of a smaller cornerback option that Syracuse has. He maybe could play all over. I'll, I'll be curious if Clark cracks the two deep Devon Clark because at 6'2", he presents a lot of size, one of the taller cornerbacks on the roster. And who knows, maybe we'll see Chase Atkinson get a role this year, considering if there's a couple positives COVID-related or injuries become more of a problem than we're hoping for, obviously. You could go to him, a freshman out of South Carolina, who I do like a lot. But ideally, I think the goal here is obviously to keep kind of that core three and even Eric Coley as healthy as possible because those three guys are right up there. I mean, Iffy, Trill, and Cisco to me are all, I'd say, top five, top six players on this entire team, and you've got them all in one position group. I mean, that that says a lot about how good this defensive backs group is. Yeah, you don't see that a lot. And I think when you bring up a guy like Devin Clark as well, the reason why I'm I'm not optimistic he's going to be on the two deep is hasn't he been one of those guys who's just been knocking on the door year after year after yeah, year? Yeah, he's had some off the field stuff and too. That yeah. too, and listen, he's a good special teams guy. He and, is, and he'll yeah. go make some plays for you in the in the special teams game. But I, I don't see him, especially with the depth and with the talent that you've got in the defensive backfield. I don't see him necessarily going out there and making a big impact in that regard. Here, here's a question I'll pose to you. So 18 interceptions in 2018, that's when the the rise of this secondary really came yeah. to be. 18 picks in, in 2018, 13 in 2019. Hmm. Where do you see the interception numbers in this upcoming season? Because I think they'll be probably a, a step up from last season, but a step down from 2018. But I also think the opportunity isn't necessarily going to be there as often just because of the fact that I think Syracuse is going to be trailing in a lot of games. You're going to see a lot more running of the football from the opponents. So a 15 interception season or even matching it with 13 interceptions. And again, that could also be a reason why Syracuse's numbers were down defensively in terms of interceptions year to year. And again, a five interception drop sounds like a lot. It really isn't in the grand scheme of things when when you talk about turnover regression after a year of 18. So yeah. I think this team can get 14 or 15 picks, but it's going to be a much more... Imp- it, the 14 or 15 that they're going to get are as impressive as the 18 they got in 2018. That's just how special this group is. Now it's going to be up on the rest of the defense to hold it up on their end. And really, the def- like the defensive line and to a degree, the offense is going to predicate how many interceptions this defense gets. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say with that number, and obviously 
this is kind of like cheating a little bit, but there's one less game this That's year. That's true, yeah. So, or, and there potentially could be two less games. So yeah, uh, if I were to, to prorate it, it, it'd be a, a 14 or 15. Right, yeah. So I guess if we were to so compare... So I guess it'll probably be like 10 or 11 this year. Yeah, if we were to compare interceptions per game to what it is last year, I think they'll exceed that. And that's saying a lot, right? Because it's a tougher schedule. You're not getting, I mean, right now they're getting Liberty. You're not getting anything outside of that, though. Yeah, I mean, no Holy Cross, no Wagner, Western Michigan. Yeah, that's where you yeah. really can get like three or four in one game. and it can. But that the thing about that, though, is they haven't always relied on those games, like the no. sacks, where you see the sack numbers really come in. I think they had like 13 sacks in two of their games last year. 13 of their 30 came in two games against an FCS team and, and uh, another non-conference opponent. So you, you're not going to get that you you get that a lot with the defensive line usually because again they're going up against a much fear offensive line and when you're forcing the quarterback to make quick decisions a lot of times they're just going to take a sack but i think no you're right to that degree i i just don't think that they rely as much on the interceptions from those type of teams as they do some of the other teams yeah I mean, it's going to be a tough week one. Sam Howell, probably one of the more underrated quarterbacks, I'd say, in the ACC. And honestly, right. he's, he's getting rated pretty highly this year. And UNC has tons of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I know a lot of their players have opted out, but they've got more talent offensively than Syracuse does. So just because the defense is doing well in scrimmages and stuff, it's going to be definitely a challenge. I'm really curious to see how Neil Nunn fares if he does play in week one. I'm going to be very keen to watch him because that's someone who I was a little surprised when the spring depth chart came out that Smurf Greenwood was ahead of him and Nunn was technically second in that battle, judging by the depth chart, because on paper, Neil Nunn should be ahead of Smurf Greenwood just from what we were hearing in regards to him as a recruit, and then also the 24-7 sports ratings, the offer sheet, all that stuff. So who knows? Maybe that says that Greenwood has really developed a lot, or you could look at it that that's a little concerning that none hasn't developed. That's why I'm not actually putting a red flag on it or anything, but I'll be interested to see how he plays because I think he's another one of those guys that could be a mainstay in the secondary for a while. That's true, yeah. And just to back up what I was saying from a second ago, too, I just looked up the numbers. So Syracuse had three interceptions. Three of their 13 came against non-Power 5 schools. So they had three in three games. So two against Liberty, one against Western Michigan, none against Holy Cross. Um, The only other non-conference pick they got was against Maryland, which, again, that's a Power 5 team. And then you had a pair against Clemson. You had two against Duke, three against Wake Forest to close out the season. I mean, there's some good quarterbacks that this team picked off throughout the year. One against Louisville and one against NC State as well. So they they have had some success against some of these really good teams in causing turnovers. Yeah, no doubt. Well, very, very excited about the defensive back group going forward. But should we get into ripping the ACC a little bit here now? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. yes. All right, it's that time. We're going to go in on these ACC snubs and, and really just stand up for our guy Andre Sisco after this quick break. All right, so time to dive into these ACC teams that came out, the preseason All-ACC. And, 
you know, I'm expecting not a whole lot Syracuse-wise on this, but we thought for sure, at the very least, we'd get one guy. And right. that is our Maybe preseason. Two. Maybe yeah, two. I mean, but but definitely one guy. And yeah. that is, of course, our guy Andre Sisco, who is an All-American once upon a time as a freshman, who is the active leader in interceptions in the country right now, who led the country as a freshman interceptions, was seventh in the country last year despite missing three games, and is an AP preseason All-American this year. We jokingly Not just All-American. Not just All-American. First team. First yeah, team you're right. All-American. <laughs> you're right. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling to me that you can be... It's actually downright impossible that you could be first team all American, but not first team all conference and not mentioned in these all ACC teams. Now I will say it's a very, very good conference safety wise for the ACC this year. It's Hampson, strong. Yeah. yeah Hampson, Nazareth Dean out of Florida state, Paris Ford out of Pittsburgh are the two that were nominated. They're both very, very good safeties who are probably going to play in the NFL, like Andre Sisco someday. You also got guys like Michael Carter, Kyle Hamilton, Nolan Turner. I mean, Joey Blunt. There's there's a lot of talent in the safety group. It's probably the deepest safety group conference-wise, definitely out of the conferences that are playing, but conference-wise in the nation this year. I would say that confidently. That being said, I just don't know how you, how you can put someone ahead of Andre Sisco, the active leader in Let interceptions. Let alone two people. Yeah, ahead two of guys. Andre I mean Cisco. I probably would have voted for Nazrel Dean as yeah, the second guy. He would guy. have been my yeah. He's a stud and he's a great tackler more than anything. But Cisco is just such a big play machine and such a ball hawk and it's just disrespectful to not have him on that list. I'm with you. It, again, it seems like these these writers and again one one thing we have to to bring up here any blog boy with an internet connection can yes. vote on this thing so yeah let's peel back the curtain too, on that that's yeah I, i'm not too wound up about it and again you and i didn't have a vote in this nor do we really care to vote uh, on something yeah. like this i was emailed but, and i i just kind of forgot about it honestly but that's <laughs> i mean that's because i know that these things are kind of a scam like if you all you have to do is go to the ACC media days, and you will. You get then you get a preseason vote. vote. I don't think so, that qualifies you necessarily as a postseason voter, if memory is serving me correctly. Yeah, on but that. preseason for sure. I mean, I was emailed because I was at the ACC media days last year, and they're doing it remote this year. But that's my problem with it: is think about all the people that were voting, there's media from all over that are local media that are focused on their team. So then it's just going to kind of be or not just that, off. but yeah. they're focused on the teams that they're going to see or have seen before. Yes. Too. Yeah. So it's all biased. And, and I guess that's true for anything, but our point is these people that we saw a lot of people at ACC media day, when we go, that I know probably have never paid attention to Andre Cisco at all, just because they're not that type of fan. They're not that type of media member, I guess I should say. Like they're not that. And knowledgeable. that's not necessarily a knock on them. Yeah, Listen, I mean, I, I, I don't, don't know everything every about Paris Ford. And, yeah. yeah, but um, 
you should be able to acknowledge when when you see an all 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 American, an AP All American first team guy, like that should be that's an auto check on my box. Like when I filled yeah. this thing out the first time, I think I was like a junior or a sophomore in college when I filled it out the first time, and I'm like, who the hell are half of these people? I had no sure. idea. But so I'm just checking boxes. I'm doing a little research here and there to see, okay, who who are is like Athlon putting out as this person? Who who are, is are, are there all Americans on this list too? I mean, listen, that that just goes to show you, sophomore slash junior year me was voting on this thing, right? So that's, for that's a majority that's, of the voters, though, they're all right. doing that same so, process. I bet not all, but a majority. If you're wound up about this, don't be. Again, it's it's frustrating. I get it. Syracuse fans are always going to bleed orange. They're always going to put on for their guy. But don't be don't get so bent up over this because I mean, there are college kids that vote on this thing that that don't that don't know exactly what they're doing. And again, when I look at the voting too, so there's 134 votes that that get passed around, and Paris Ford got 62, and Hamza Nasruddin got 56. So you imagine Andre Sisco probably got like 50-ish. I would help. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So because there's, you get two, you get right. to pick two safeties. So I'm guessing he, he probably got in the neighborhood of like 53 to 55, if I had to guess. And again, they don't peel back the curtain on stuff like that, but I'd imagine that played a, a part in it as well when you look at how the voting went down. Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if he's not all ACC postseason, and that's what really matters. Like you said, that's what right you'll you'll see on his Wikipedia page down the road, not preseason. I mean, I guess you could put that if you really wanted to, but if you're a great player, you're not really too concerned about the preseason rankings because I mean, maybe some people looked at the stats last year and forgot that he missed three games, which. Honestly, the fact I mean, that even stats if he missed were, three games, yeah. those are still excellent numbers. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're exceedingly great, especially in the interception column, which that to me is what you can't ignore. I mean, I've been I've been prone to like I'll pick on him at times and there are some numbers out there that aren't great. He did allow seven touchdowns, Cisco, on thirty eight targets last year. That's a whole lot of touchdowns. And the other safeties, I know David Hale, and we've talked about this who is always tweeting some advanced stats over at ESPN, he tweeted a lot about how he wants to be a Syracuse homer, because I think he went to Syracuse, right? Or yeah. at least mm-hmm. was there for a little bit. I believe bit. he did, and, yeah. Yeah, and then he kind of said, like, but the the targets, yards per target, are a little bit concerning. I think he averaged about 10 yards per target. Nazaldine and Ford were under 5 yards per target. So I get it. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers closely you can see that there are some holes in his game but i mean the interceptions are just so dang good like to lead the entire country and what is the biggest stat for your position and you still don't get mentioned in your all-conference team i don't get that right this is like looking or voting on an mvp in basketball or a player of the year in basketball and ignoring points per game in a sense right i mean yeah this is one of the biggest focusing on like their per or something right yeah some i get it but i also just feel like points per game is and and interceptions they they hold a ton of value for a reason and for context here as well so cisco had five interceptions last year in nine games 
those guys for their entire careers have a combined six. So just let that sit in for a little bit. I mean, they have six combined. Uh, Let me, let me add up these games real quick. 16 plus 33. So they have played 49 games and have mustered up six interceptions. Andre Cisco played nine last year and had five. So, wow. That's all you need to know. Seven the year before, I think it was. And seven. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's doubled up their interceptions in 21 games holy cow so well less than half of their games combined and he's doubled it mm-hmm. yep yeah case closed right there the, that was some on the fly man <laughs> yeah, right there by me that i was there. not expecting to be able to do that quickly and i'm glad I'm you did proud it of myself. That's i haven't taken a math yeah. class since high school either so that, yeah. that's uh I'm, I'm surprised. You, I think that, you that, had to take one at Syracuse, right? No, 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 no. Not if you had AP credit. All right, and, and oh, okay. see, yeah, I'm an AP All American, Tim. Okay, <laughs> I may not be all conference. I may not be all ACC, but I am an AP All American, and I had that AP credit coming in, so yeah. I never had to take a math class in college. Yeah, well, we're kind of going long here, but I will shout out Andre Smith. Would have been nice to see him as well. I think yeah, that's the other I mean, player you were kind of thinking. That's yeah. You thought maybe he could get on there, but. Is what it is. At the end of the day, especially at the kicker position, I don't care. It, it, it's such a results-based yeah. thing. You either make your kicks or you don't. And right. Schmidt's got a chance to make some kicks this year, especially with the offense probably going to stagnate at times inside the 30, and Dino might roll the dice and, and give Schmidt a chance to, to make some 50-yarders, some 52-yarders. And I think it might help with no no crowds for, for the kickers yeah, uh, this probably upcoming will. season. So. We'll see I wonder that. if they'll still freeze the kicker. I guess, yeah. Why not? I mean, the whole thing is to make them think about it. Not yeah, so it's more the mental part of thinking yeah. about the game. I don't think the the fans have any um, right. any sort of um, toll on that. Yeah. All right. Well, just getting started here this week as we get ready for game day on Saturday. It is coming in hot, so be sure to keep it locked here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast throughout the week. Tomorrow, we will dive into the pass catchers, which is another group I'm excited to talk about. We'll do wide receivers and tight ends grouped into one. It's and that depth chart ends. should be out tomorrow, too. Yes, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we will react to the depth chart tomorrow because I'm sure there will be some surprises there. And we'll maybe hopefully get some clarity on some of those opt-outs or injuries or anything of that liking so we'll keep you guys updated here as we get ready for unc on saturday and give you all our predictions for the entire season by the end of the week we are here with you every single weekday you can follow the show on twitter it's at lo underscore syracuse we'll have breaking news tweets like when the depth chart comes out we will have that and all that good stuff football wise as we get you ready for unc on saturday but that'll do it for today for tyler i'm tim we'll talk to you guys on tuesday